Shalom, this is Yaron Sivan, and you're listening to Urpan Byte Talks. In today's show, we'll be bringing you an open discussion we had at Urpan with Imri Kalman, an event that followed the national strike of the LGBT community in Israel on July 22nd. The strike was a response by the community to anti-LGBT legislation that took place in the Knesset at the same week, and we wanted Imri Kalman, who is a nightlife entrepreneur and former chairperson of the LGBT Association, also known as the Aguda, to speak with us about gay rights in Israel, about pinkwashing, and gay politics. Some parts of the talk with Imri involved a discussion with the audience. We apologize if sometimes the questions are not clear. If you have any questions or ideas that you want us to bring to Ulpan Byte Talks, or if you have interesting questions about the Hebrew language, please feel free to write to us to podcast at ulpan.co. One last thing, one last thing. The recording device I'm using was donated to the Ulpan by our beloved student Mohamed Al-Midawi, who has just finished his UN duty in Israel. Mohamed, this is a personal thank you from me. You're an awesome guy. It was a pleasure knowing you, both as a student and as the amazing person you are. Thanks to you, our podcast came to life. And now, without further delay, Imri Kalman at Ulpan Byte Talks. Enjoy. Um, so uh, my name is Imri, I'm 32 years old. Uh, I was born in uh, Haifa. Thanks, you're doing it. <laughs> and I was raised in Fasaba. It's like a small city, 20 minutes from Tel Aviv. In the past uh, 10 years, I live in Tel Aviv. Um, when I was um, like 10 years old, my parents got divorced. And actually back then, it was quite cool to have divorced parents. Like the coolest kids in school had divorced parents. So I was quite happy about it. The problem was like a year later that my father took me and my sister to uh, like, uh, you know, a night talk. Um, to explain that his very good friend, Jacob, is actually his uh, husband and his boyfriend, and that's the reason that uh, my uh, parents got divorced. So actually my first um, uh, entrance to the gay community wasn't as a gay person, but as a son uh, of a gay man. Uh, so I got actually quite interesting and special uh, experiences understanding the gay community from the outside, from what it means to be a family member of someone who's going out of the closet, uh, which, is, which is very complicated actually. It was seven years of, of secrets and silence uh, of my sisters and myself and my mother uh, to hide the, uh, the fact that my father is gay. Um, and after those seven years, when I became a little uh, older and I started understanding that not only my father is gay, but also his son, uh, I, I understood that I don't want to live that kind of life of secrets and uh, hiding my identity. This, this, just like I had that experience already. I don't need it anymore. So my going out of the closet was quite like quickly. And also, like, I didn't really had any fears that my family would kick me out of the house, you know, as I can just blame my father. <laughs> and, uh, 
And actually, just like to finish this kind of interesting stories that a few, uh, not, not long afterwards, my grandfather from my mother's side also went out of the closet. So it, it makes my mother, it makes my mother a woman who has a gay father, a gay husband or ex-husband and a gay son. That's, that's really the, maybe the only woman in the world, like in this situation. Um, and I uh, went to the army after going out of the closet in high school. I was quite popular. I didn't have any problem with it. My, like one of my friends from high school became my boyfriend from two, for two years old. We had a game at high school, you know, of, uh, um, we call it in Hebrew, uh, hi, Ronnie. Uh, and this is a family member who can prove that my grandfather is gay. <laughs> if you want to yeah, go uh, further on with the details about that. Um, so uh, it, was quite, it was quite cool to be gay in my school. I don't know why, but it was cool. Like we were the coolest kids in, in high school. We were lesbians and bisexual and gay. Uh, out of like, I don't know, 30, 100 kids in school, we were like 50 people out of the closet. Uh, last day on high school in Israel, it's just like a day that you do all kind of pranks and you know, crazy stupid things. So we, we changed the flag of Israel, you know, the national flag in the entrance of school to, to the pride flag. And our book, you know, uh, final book of school was all painted with the rainbow colors and proud to present. It was really very popular. Um, Nowadays, when I think about it, I think that my father had an influence because he was already out of the closet back then and it was quite rare to have someone who's not only gay, but he's gay with children and he's working in a very good job as a, you know, CEO. This was a very positive representative of what it means to be gay in a, in a time, it's like 20 years ago, where being gay was quite you know, weird. The only open, openly gay people that you had in the communication and, you know, in television were quite specific kind of, of gay people that weren't very popular as, as, as mean, you know, as mainstream uh, can accept uh, gay people. Um, I was drafted to the army. I went to officer school, so I served the army for five years. In the army, I had a few years that I didn't talk a lot about my gay identity. I felt that like the, the system cannot accept it. And I wanted to be an officer, I wanted to be successful, and I thought that being openly gay would harm, harm it. So I had a two years that I was back in the, in the closet. And then going out again, moving to Tel Aviv, uh, and I did the, the, the thing that every gay, I think every gay, gay guy does when he moved to Tel Aviv and it uh, become a waiter in a restaurant, and then uh, that's like the officer school of being gay in Tel Aviv. You're a waiter, and then you're a shift manager, and I became a manager of a, of a restaurant, and the owners of the restaurant also had a bar, and it didn't go very well, and they wanted to do something in that bar, and they heard that there are like gay parties in Tel Aviv, and it's going very good, and it's very like financial, very good, but they didn't know a lot of gay guys besides the gay manager, and they asked me whether I want to do a gay party, and it sounds like, what, 
what like what what's with me and gay parties? I asked some friends who know someone from nightlife who wants to do a gay party, and a friend of mine said, "Let's do it ourselves." Uh, so without any plans, uh, we just uh, opened a gay party, which actually became one of the biggest gay parties in Tel Aviv. It's called Drek. It exists now for uh, almost uh, eight years. Um, it went very quickly, like and and suddenly I found myself like a. Uh, a in a leading position in the nightlife of the gay people in Tel Aviv. Um, so also later on I opened a gay bar with two friends. Uh, its name is Shpagat. It's now actually the only gay bar in Tel Aviv and the biggest and the most successful one. <laughs> Which is quite easy when you're uh, the only one. Um, and also a, gay, a lesbian party. Uh, it's called 7-Eleven. It exists now also for seven years and it's the it's a very big uh, lesbian uh, women uh, party. And also became a member, like uh, opened a bar called Kuli Alma, which is not gay, but it's gay friendly with the seven friends. Um, in that meantime, well, I became like a party person and a gay a nightlife uh, um, um, activist. I also started volunteering in the Israeli gay youth organization um, I was a trainer for three years, and then uh, I was also part of the management, uh, creating the educational uh, training of trainers in the in the organization. And I was in charge of the gay uh, campaign of the Tel Aviv Pride Parade for three years, creating the the agenda, the ideas behind it, the graphic design, and. Four years ago, I became the chairperson of the LGBT task force in Israel. It's called the Aguda. Um, this is the, the official national organization of LGBT association. Uh, it was established 42 years ago, the first one in Israel. The, the organization started gay parades in Israel. And, and actually, when I became the chairperson, the organization was quite in a, in a lost cause. Like, wh where do we take it from here? from here and and I had to figure out w w what do we want to do now like in so many ways being gay in Israel is actually in many ways it's it's it, it could be heaven if you compare it to other places around the world Tel Aviv is really it's, you know it's it's not really a gay friendly city it's a gay city you can really feel so so comfortable to be gay in Tel Aviv that sometimes it feels like, you know, it's uh, it's inconvenient to ask someone whether he's straight, you know, that he won't be offended. Um, and not only that, but actually, if you're going out to Tel Aviv, also you can see more and more places in Israel that are very, very tolerant to gay people. And the weird thing is that if you compare the social situ situation in Israel to the legal situation, there is a very big gap. And I think that being chairperson of the, of the Aguda made me um, deal with the issue of that gap. How could it be that we are so open for LGBT people in Israel? And just like to put this as a small like, uh, understanding that figures, numbers in Israel, polls that are made in the past three years are talking about something like 75% of Israeli people are in favor of gay marriage, of same-sex marriage. 
including Orthodox and religious people. 75%. This is something that you don't have in liberal countries that have same-sex marriage. I don't think that you have any state in the United States of America that would have 75% of population in favor of same-sex marriage. But we don't have it. And it feels like that we're not even getting any close to it because our government doesn't show any signs of creating um, any progress in the legal situation of LGBT people in Israel. Um, a little bit about the law, and then what I would be very happy is if I can open it to questions so I can answer a little bit about what you feel is interesting to understand about what's going on in Israel. So you have a few minutes to think about questions. Uh, you can go personal if you want. Um, okay, marriage. The issue about marriage in Israel is actually not related to LGBT directly. It's about civil marriage. We don't have civil marriage in Israel. We have only religious marriage, which means that only a Jewish girl and a Jewish boy can get married, or a Christian uh, man, Christian woman, and that's regarding and of course to the to the religious law. Like uh, a Jewish woman who was divorced, who is divorced, cannot get married with a guy that his family name is Cohen, which sounds like what what did you just said? Like that means nothing, but in religious, you know, it means something. So the law in Israel is through religious. Of course, none of the religious uh, Christian, Muslim, or Judaism accept gay marriage. So if it stays like this, we have no chance. Uh, I have a feeling sometimes that we will have same-sex marriage in Israel before we will have civil marriage, like only if there are two are Jewish, you know, and Jewish boys and Muslim boys, um, because it's a lot about the idea of the next generation. The problem is what, what will happen if people will get married in Israel and their children won't be kosher Jewish. That's the issue. It's about the children much more than about the, the connection of two people. Um, adoption. So you can, be, you, can, you can register yourself as a, as a nominee to adopt in Israel as a single parent. So if you're gay, it's okay. Uh, you're not re registered as a couple, just as a single parent. The thing is that the chances of getting a child in that procedure is very, very low, like around 0% or 1%. And also, if you're a single mother, that the chances are very low. And there, there are not a lot of children for adoption in Israel. Uh, Israel is not that kind of, of, of a state that a lot of families uh, uh, leave uh, their, uh, their children. Um, but uh, actually, just like a, a small personal story, is my, um, my parents, before they decided to get divorced, they had a few years that they were like figuring out whether they can save the marriage. And I guess they figured out back then that they cannot, uh, cannot have another child. And they decided to adopt and they were straight couple. And actually, in the, while they were adopting my uh, sister, um, my father started his procedure of accepting himself and going out of the closet. 
So my family was in a very specific situation where we are in a procedure of adoption, or adopting a child, and there are rumors about the father who's getting out of the closet. And my uh, family was under very serious uh, like checkups of the, of the government, of official governmental uh, private uh, in, in investigations, you know, to figure out whether that man is really getting out of the closet, because if he is, we have to take the child. They cannot adopt. So they had to hide the fact that he's gay for several years until he can get out of the closet because they would take my sister. Um, it's, it, it's not like this anymore. So if I'm a gay guy and I'm, I want to adopt, I can, I can hand myself and they know that I'm gay, whether I'll get a child, uh, the chances that if I do, it will be, you know, they call it like a second, uh, second uh, degree kind of child. Uh, it means or very old or someone who has all kind of mental problems or if you ask uh, uh, the Israeli authorities, Ethiopian, who can be also like uh, um, more chances to get a child. Um, that's about adoption. So surrogacy, as you said before, uh, there is a surrogacy procedures in Israel by law. Not many countries in the world that has it by law, only like three, actually. Uh, Israel is one of them. Uh, and you can have it only if you're a straight couple. That The, the law says a man and a woman can have uh, a surrogate uh, mother in Israel. Uh, and the LGBT community was fighting for the past few, few years through court to change that law. Um, Supreme Court in Israel helped the LGBT community a lot in the past like 20, 30 years to have some of the, of the rights that we have today. Uh, but in this case, it seems like the Supreme Court isn't about to help. Do you hear me like this? Is it, is it again? Like it's good like this? Ah, okay, okay. Um, so actually what uh, the government did is not only not to change the law, so also men can use, uh, like gay men can use the services of a surrogate mother, they changed the law so it will be 100% like confidential that there is no chance that even Supreme Court will change it. So they wanted to change the law that if someone who's a single parent that want to use the services of a surrogate mother, it's only single parent women. Only single, even single men uh, cannot use it, not only regarded of being gay, as you said before. It's not about gay. But it, it means that there is no chance that we will get this law, even through court. It was really just like, you know, closing the box in a way that we, there is no chance that we can open it through the Supreme Court. Um, what else about, um, like, official things? You said about uh, adoption. Can you maybe explain more about how they close it like this? How come, so who decided it? We had another talk about how laws are getting passed in Israel. Mm -hmm. But like there were talks before or there were no talks and suddenly the, the law jumped out or? Maybe it's interesting to speak about Bibi's promise and versus what they actually did. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it's just in a way they, they consider getting, offering it to women, not men. What is the rational behind it? Mm -hmm. um, 
For the Supreme Court in Israel, it's harder to pass, like to change the law in Israel if the, the, the government is very clear about something. Like it's not uh, a mistake, you know, that, um, that a situation where you have a, a situation that I feel that I don't have the same rights as someone else in Israel, it's by mistake or it's very clear that the government wanted it to be so. So the situation with surrogacy in Israel were a little bit not clear. You know, it was a very, it's, it's an ancient law, it's from the 60s in Israel. And I think that the reason that they wanted to clear it out now, so for the Supreme Court in Israel, it's not, it, it, it's like, it's not even negotiable. It's not negotiable. Like, it's, the government is very clear about it. This is how they want it to happen. Uh, only straight couples, uh, if a woman wants to use it, so they, you know, they made a law, like, you know, renew it, the law that only women can use it. Uh, and not not uh, gay people, which means also not gay uh, couples. Um, that's that's the, it's it, it doesn't make any sense. It really makes no sense. It, it's like for me, it's useless to, to to look for the sense around it. It's not a government that creates those kind of decisions because there's a logic that we can understand. It's really creating a situation in Israel where where the government is is against gay people, against gay ruling. It's very clear. And this government is doing it very clear. As chairperson of the, of the Aguda, uh, I was very surprised to find out in the, in the media two years ago that the tourism office in Israel has decided to put 11 million shekels in a campaign publishing Tel Aviv as a gay, as a gay icon, as a gay city, uh, you know, to, uh, to have all the tourists from Europe coming to Israel for gay parade. 11 million shekel for one week of campaign, including painting an airplane with the pride, with the rainbow colors, so it can fly over Europe and everyone can see how liberal and gay Israel is. And of course I didn't like it and I felt like, you know, you're cheating us. The LGBT organization is in Israel. We have 17 organizations in Israel. We get from the government support of 1. million shekels a year, all of us together. 11 million shekels for one week of campaign who doesn't help us. Not only that, as the chairperson of uh, the Aguda, I, um, we have decided that we want the LGBT community in Israel to decide what will be the theme of the parade. Uh, until then, the theme was uh, being uh, decided at the municipality, which means a few clerks decide what will be the theme of the gay parade. And we didn't like it a lot, so we decided that it will be by democracy. That we put a poll on the internet and the LGBT community, everyone can decide what will be the theme in that year. The theme that the community has decided was women. Women in the community, which is quite, you know, that's, that's surprising, that's something. To put the women in the front of the, of, the, of the gay parade. It's not something that's very, you know, obvious to do. And the campaign, that, that 11 million shekel campaign was all about naked men. All pictures were only naked men. In the same year that we have decided we want to put women in the front. Um, so we have decided that we want to 
to play with it. And I went to the press and uh, announced that we are threatening to cancel the parade after the campaign was out. And if uh, those thousands of tourists will get to Tel Aviv, they will join us to the biggest uh, propaganda and protest against the government. And actually, we got a phone call from the Treasury Minister 24 hours later, <laughs> really. And uh, in negotiation of like uh, a few weeks, we got to agreement that the LGBT community in Israel, like the organizations in Israel, will get 11 million shekels yeah. every year in the, in the like, book of law of Israel, in the budget. And that was a, a very important change, changing spot, changing uh, point for the, for the LGBT community to understand that actually we have power. Yeah, they do it. We got it. We got it. We uh, not all of it because it's like every year, but we're getting a lot of money that we didn't get before. And the only op like option to get it was threatening that we're going to cancel the parade because actually parades that were for so many years, you know, protest. Now it's actually a commercial tool in Tel Aviv's municipality hands and tourism office in Israel. And we have to understand that this is a tool that belongs to us and we can use it to get what we want, that we want to get from out of, of, of our you know, progress. Um, and what's going on now, again, it's, it's the same. It's the community understanding that we have more power than we even knew that we have before. And we can do something with it. And I think the big question now that is being asked in the community is exactly where is it going? We had a very big protest on Sunday, the biggest protest maybe in the history of Israel, like of LGBT Israel, but not only Israel. That's quite rare even if you look in other countries around the world to see that kind of, of, of a protest, of LGBT protest, of the LGBT community, you know, uh, saying such a statement and getting such support from so many commercial uh, organizations or companies in Israel. And uh, the big question is where we're we going. My, my answer is creating a gay uh, party. <laughs> this is uh, what I think that we should do. Like, if we want to have uh, political power, we have to have a political power. That never happened. Uh, never happened. I, I've heard someone saying that they had it. Someone tried it in Denmark or something, or in Norway, to have a gay party. A political party, and I'm a party producer, so you know, <laughs> it's just obvious that it's something I would do. Uh, so this is something I started to do in the past uh, few weeks, testing the idea of having a political, gay, gay political party in Israel. Um, you'll figure out. <laughs> what do you want to know? Let's go to questions. What yes, over there. Uh, and your name? Frank. Where are you from? Uh, Boston, Massachusetts. Okay. Uh, the political system here is so different from what I'm used to. We elect individuals who represent us. Yeah. Here you vote for a party. Yeah. And so where is where is the influence that an organization uh, can have when you can't really talk to someone because you're going to help to elect them because it doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. how, do you, how, how does the organization uh, show its power and influence in the Knesset 
And also, how are you, how is the organization utilizing the business community beyond what they did the other day uh, to help push forward uh, these agendas and use that influence as really as a, a lever you have? Um, it's a good question, and it's a, it's a game. We're playing a game. It's a psychological game, like how, how can you make an influence because we don't really have power. It's only power <coughs> that you can imagine, like in the media, in the press, how many people in Israel support the LGBT cause. You don't have, how many LGBT people are there in Israel? You, you don't have answers for those questions. So our power is really what we create out of it. And when we're talking about being like a gay power, Okay, are we talking about LGBT people? If you ask me, the answer is no. Like LGBT is politics of identities. Whether I define myself as LGBT or T, but it's not about identities. We're talking about values. And values are something that are common to people that have all kinds of identities, even if they're not LGBT or T. So it, it's, it's, it's not clear. The, the things that the LGBT community has done till, till now in this arena is to create a, a caucuses like in, in, in parties. So there's like a gay caucus in almost every party in Israel, maybe besides uh, the Orthodox ones, and surprisingly, or it's secretly, you know, just we don't know about it. Sounds very sexy. Um, uh, but, but, but it's also, you know, so there's a gay caucus. It doesn't, it doesn't mean anything, you know? You have, you have uh, also um, gay representatives in the two biggest parties in Israel. You have a gray, gay representative in the, in the Likud, Amir Ochana, and you have a parliament member in the Avodah, uh, Itzik Shmuli. What does it mean? It's very funny because Amir Ochana he was running to be elected as for the board of the Aguda at the same time that I was running, and he wasn't elected. But he's a parliament member now. You know, so the LGBT community didn't want him as a member in the board of the Aguda, but he's now a parliament member. Whether he's working for us, if you ask most of the LGBT community in Israel is not working for us, even though he's LGBT. So regarding that issue of values and identities, you can have the LGBT identity and you're, you don't belong to the gay community because you're not doing anything for gay values. And in Israel it's beautiful because the, the, it's very easy to understand it when you're talking about LGBT, lahatab, or you're talking about akila gea, the proud community. And when you say the proud community, I think it's very clear that you're talking about in a, in a, a community of values and not communities of, of identities. Um, so we're playing this game. Uh, last thing that we did was with commercial companies. It wasn't so spontaneously as it seems in the press. A lot was taken care of in advance for a long time, creating relationships with those companies and asking for them whether they will participate in the due day, and due day came, and it and, and it and it just worked with a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure, and also it's it's important to understand 
that the reason that it was so easy for commercial companies to participate in what happened in Sunday was also because it was Tisha B'Av. And Tisha B'Av, it's a day that you can give your, you know, by law, you can give your employees a day off without being, you know, it, it's not a, a, a formal, you know. Uh, it's a day of choice. It's a day of choice, we call it. So actually, it wasn't hard for them, you know, to participate. They didn't lose any money. I'm quite sure that it won't happen again. And they won't do it if it's, if it's, it's expensive. It was very easy to participate. And we as a, the gay community now have to be very smart to understand that we won't have this chance very soon again. Um, and it's not easy okay, for, 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 for gay people. You know, we are now, you know, we are on the run. We are on the, on the highway. And we have to be very careful that we don't get too, you know, drunk out of power in those days. Did it help a little bit? Yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot of interesting things you could do that are unique. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> Can I ask two questions? Yeah, and your name? Uh, Mia. Mia. Okay, so um, if you get married outside of Israel and you have a, like a marriage certificate from a, from a country that is recognized by Israel, so it's recognized and you can go to the uh, interior office and you will register as married. Uh, the interesting thing about that, that if you want to get divorced, that's a little bit of a problem. Uh, there's one couple in Israel that got married abroad and then wanted to be divorced in Israel. And of course, the like, government said, no, you have to go back wherever you got married and get divorced there. But they didn't agree and went to court and they won. So it's so funny because statistics are that we have zero married couples in Israel, but one divorced couple in Israel. <laughs> that's, that's only Israel can create these kind of statistics. Um, uh, create, uh, regarding Olim, so if you're uh, uh, like a same-sex couple and your uh, partner comes from another state and he wants to be he wants to be a citizen, it's a procedure of like seven years until he can be recognized as a, as a civilian in Israel. Yes, of course. Um, so there are like, as I said, 17 different um, organizations that you can volunteer in if you want to deal more with transgender or with more with orthodox LGBT people or with women or with youth. Um, I don't know which, I guess every one of them would, would can have a lot of help in English. Uh, the main supporter of LGBT organizations in Israel is the United States. As the chairperson of the Agudai, uh, worked a lot about the relationship that we have with the United States. So it will be more uh, organized. It was quite like chaotic, 
and now it's a little bit more organized because we have a formal uh, like a tube of of creating uh, support from an organization called a wider bridge which is a Jewish LGBT organization in the US uh, so I guess that in that field English can, can help a lot uh, translating and, you know telling the story of what's going on in the LGBT organization is around the world uh, something like that <laughs> yeah <laughs> Sorry. Um, I have a question because you were talking about kosher children before your name Alexander Alexander where are you from Venezuela Venezuela okay um, there's a, a country where we don't speak about homosexuality <laughs> 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 the ones who don't know um, so you were talking about kosher children before and I know a lot of gay men most of them are in a relationship who have either kids through shared parenthood or some of them actually got them through surrogate mothers outside of the, of the country and I was wondering how does a rabbinate actually recognize these children as Jewish you're asking the 100 million dollars question yeah, because this, this is the thing, thing. This is the thing. The thing is about the Judaism of those children. Uh -huh. And nowadays, it's a, a question mark. Because, what happens with these children? Like? Okay, so imagine the situation. Two Jewish men mm -hmm. travel to the US as a couple and come back with a child. The child is created from a sperm of one of them. Not, only, not always you want to say who's the sperm or not, not always you know, you know? because many gay couples like mix the sperm and you know it's just like a lottery because they don't want you know the children or it's like twins and then you have sperm of different sperms but they're twins well, the, the, the egg is that you actually have to prove like you, you do have to do a parenthood test yes of course so. the egg comes from maybe like from you know Ukraine and the cigarette mother is American the situation is very complicated for the, the rabbinic you know, system to deal with it. Of course they are not Jewish, like by, by you know, formal law. But this is, this is a, a place that the rabbinical system in Israel doesn't even go, want to go there. And so they create all kind of, of you know, laws that would make this situation much more complicated to do. Just it, as much it will be more complicated as as, as little as, as people would do it. Uh, what like, what? But what kind of loss? Like, because like, like what you're describing is the same as basically as having a foreigner or a couple being Israeli and having, if, you, if you're a woman and you're not Jewish, then your kids are also not Jewish, they are not recognized. So it's like, it sounds like. Yeah, my, my question yeah. is what, ha what will happen with all these children? Like, for example, a friend of mine who lives around the corner, his daughter is one year old, and is he going to have the same status as? child of a non-Jewish woman who had a kid with a Jewish man in Israel? Or is the rabbinate handling these things a little bit different? For now, it's not clear. Okay. Where is it going? It's not clear. I mean, Can what? I what? something before you go on? Uh, I don't know, like, is it different status if you're Jewish and not Jewish, uh, the kid? And, uh, and like, if you're from, I mean, I understand you're Jewish or not Jewish, but do you have, like, legal different status? Like, the you have met? Okay. Uh, maybe it's important to understand that you, you, you want qu answers for questions that are now our lives. Because in the same week that this surrogacy law passed, 
another law passed in Israel. A law that says that for the first time in Israel, we have a, a written law that creates the start of a path of different statuses between Jewish and non-Jewish. And of course, that not by law, social, we felt it already since always. I'm in the past two years, I'm married to a rabbi, a rabbi, a, an Arab guy. It's obvious that being Arab in Israel, it's not as being Jewish in Israel. It's not a question of law. But we are living in a period where this government is putting it into words in the Book of Law of Israel. I have no clue where is it going. What does it mean, this law that says that Israel is the official state of the Jewish people? What does it mean? What, do, what are you trying to do? We don't know. We can imagine. Because we saw history. We read about it. We saw movies. We know where it's going. It's very clear, but it's not written yet very clearly. It's only the start. And the, the issue about those laws of LGBT people, it's exactly the same. It's not clear. No one in the government is being very clear about his homophobic ideas. They're not. You wanted to t me to tell about, like, you know, prime minister's flip-flop. This is exactly it. We have a prime, prime minister who's talking about Israel as an LGBT heaven in English in every, in every you know, uh, speak that he has in the United States. He has official, you know, those kind of clips in his Facebook pages with thousands of people sharing in likes about how if he supports the gay community in Israel. And also this week, seven days ago, he had an official statement that he supports the right of gay people in Israel to have kids by surrogacy. So what? So he said it. He voted against it. We, we, we have a situation which is much more complicated because we are losing our trust in the political system at all. So even for me, speaking here about what's going on in politics, I want to say that like you don't understand something much more basic. We are losing our faith in this system because it doesn't like support us. Yeah. So yeah, hi, I'm Flora. I'm a Flora. French uh, non-Jew yeah. person. Right here, five months ago, and it's, like, it's been a constant source of thought-provoking situations. Yeah. So <laughs> what you just said is uh, like summarizes the big discrepancy that I don't get since I'm here. That uh, from abroad you have the impression that wow, startup nation, LGBT. Okay, it's Tel Aviv, and I work. Uh, in a research institute, so I know it's biased, there's a huge skew, what I see is not representative of what's happening, so again, the government has been elected by the people that vote, so is it a problem of young people between, I don't know, 18 and 35 that don't go vote because they don't believe in the political system anymore, or is it just that actually the majority of the people in Israel are in favor of the government that is currently being elected, so kind of, is it, where does the discrepancy come from, from what you're saying and describing with like 17 communities of LGBT and what is actually you know, happening? Mm -hmm. um, you know, to, to be a little bit easy with Israel, you know, not too harsh, it's a young state. So we're still in a process, you know, we're still understanding what it means to be a state. <laughs> so we're doing some, you know, mistakes. 
Um, if you look to history, the Jewish people in this area was actually always split to Judah and Israel. Two tribes that had fights about different approaches, what it means to be Jewish. So we're just in the same spot in history, if you call it Jerusalem and Tel Aviv, there are two states in Israel that are fighting about the narrative of what Israel will be. And for many years, the tribe of, of Tel Aviv was, the, was actually the leading one because it was secular and it went to democracy. And it talked about a lot of values that are, you know, that we, we can relate to Western world or... And in the past, I don't know, like 20 years, it's being dominated more and more about a different kind of tribe who, want to, who wants to take it to, 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 to somewhere else. And the political system isn't changing fast enough to, to, to create solutions. Um, and, and, and one of the reasons is because of national security. Like in, in the real time, when elections come, many Israelis vote with the fear of, of survival. Because if you have mast cells falling <coughs> on your head, so even if you really want to have LGBT rights in Israel, you're, your, your, your fear will take you to, to the place that you vote to who's promising you security. And until we can't out, get out of this discussion of social or national security, that are two different kind of things, that we are stuck in the same situation. And you know, for Israelis, it's, it's a joke because I can bet that we're going to have a war before elections. Everyone in Israel know it. Like it's obvious. They have to have some kind of a war before elections because that's the only way that people will go to vote with the idea that national security is the supreme um, most important you know, motive to vote. That's very hard. And I'm saying hard things. It's not, I'm not proud to say it. I'm, I'm not proud of it at all. But the reason that I'm willing to talk about it also, you know, in English, and it's because I know that we're going to change it. There's a new generation in Israel that won't accept it anymore. And the new generation, by the way, it's not about being secular. The new generation is also orthodox. I think that they have the same problem with their political, you know, representatives. They don't like him as well. There's a strong movement of orthodox women who wants you know, freedom for Orthodox women. And they, they cannot do it in parties that don't even allow them to, to you know, to be voted, to, to register as, uh, as representatives. So for now, they are still shut up. They succeed to shut up. In the last election, they were first, in first time in Israel talking about the idea of having a women Orthodox party. And it didn't, it didn't like, went out until the end. But, uh, but it's, a, it's a matter of time. The new generation won't accept it anymore, so I'm part of those people who are willing to do anything for it to change. And, uh, and I think it's not a fiction, you know? I was going in the, in the US for, to talk with students and in campuses for three times with the Jewish agency, and I felt like w whether I'm doing like pinkwashing, you know, going around the US and saying how Israel is good for you know, for gay people, but it's not. That's, that's true. It is a very good place to be gay. It is, because social, like, 
people accept you. I feel very safe walking with my boyfriend hand to hand almost everywhere. And I don't know, I guess you see it, you're, you're here. Even in, in Jerusalem? You know, it's different in Jerusalem. <laughs> it's, it's just like not the same, but we have, you know, last year was the biggest pride in Jerusalem with 25,000 people and I can bet that this year will be double. How come pride in Jerusalem is so, so small? I mean, it's 25,000 compared to 250,000. But there's a what? A lot of resistance. Yeah, but that's the thing that... That's, that's not... That's, that's, yeah, that's, that's what actually what I, wanna, I would like to actually... Uh, yeah. just, because this was one of the things that you guys announced this talk would be about. I think it's very interesting to see that a city that is 45 minutes away from here, <coughs> counting that apparently the amount of visitors coming from the outside of Israel to the parade around 30, 50,000, how come that the actual pride, in the, the Jerusalem pride, which is the, the actual important one, because there's where you're protesting against the government, well, it, where the government is and where all the religions gather, um, how come it's so small? Like, I, have, I met a lot of people here in, in Tel Aviv as well that I asked them, like, are you coming with me to Jerusalem pride in two weeks? And they're like, oh no, that's so fucking boring. And I'm like, excuse me? This, this thing is actually the one that's gonna allow you to party next year in Tel Aviv. So how, what, what is the, 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 the common mindset of Israeli LGBTQ community towards this? Like, I don't think it's been taken seriously enough. You just said the answer. Because Why? gay people are spoiled. Okay. But how it's, 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 that's, you know, it's yeah, so much easier how, yeah, to be I'm here. Speaking, I'm, 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 they're spoiled into the beef. They're not spoiled. But there's Israel. confusion a lot between yeah. what we're talking about, like, the city center, Tel Aviv, compared to, yeah, it's all to the, Israel. the rest of Israel. It's, exactly. That, that's a different thing. can't. Between. There's no way to, com to compare. It's absolutely no, yes. Yeah. Okay, so first of all, the reason that the situation, if you ask me, is like this is because of political arguments inside the community. Um, as it happens in a lot of minority uh, communities, they are fighting each other to hell. Like, really. Ethiopian, women, uh, all kind of minorities tend to fight within. Uh, if you're talking about political organizations, and also the LGBT community was wasting a lot of time for fighting about credit and donations and, and, and all kind of that. And, and Jerusalem and Tel Aviv, there are two, like the Aguda was related to Tel Aviv and the, the Jerusalem Open House, which is the LGBT organization in Jerusalem, didn't want to be connected to Tel Aviv. I don't want to be connected to Aguda, and Aguda won't tell me what to do, and I'm not related, and I only I can understand what's going on in Jerusalem, and you can you can influence yeah, but us. I think it doesn't have to do with this. I mean, I don't I don't belong to any of the 17 organizations. I don't know any of them actually. You're yeah. the first one I know, and it's the first time I hear about. I mean, I know they exist, but it's the first time I hear the name. I decide to go there by myself as an individual because it's a common cause. It's the cause of the community. I'm going there to to, to demonstrate for transgender people. Um, what is the, and, and, and also this thing, like I, I was here during Pride and I was here for a week and I, and I felt like everyone is talking about it like, oh my God, pinkwashing, but hey, who cares? Let's pay 100 shekels for a fucking bracelet to go to five parties and get drunk and fucked up. So why, 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 why aren't these same people just like committing to the actual, the actual protest, like what will allow them to do this next year? It's a trend, it's not connected to it. I don't think it's a problem. I think 
נכון. system in Israel have the uh, mandate to this is just like it was decided when Israel was created there's a sto- very interesting story that the, the, the rabbinical system back then didn't want this country to be established and the you know the only uh, condition that they were willing whether they get demanded to decide everything related to a relationship between people like marriage divorce children and it's since then they have demanded and and regarding what you said and I think that I, I, I agree and I'm so happy that you said it because comparing Israel in, to other countries sometimes can help to understand that even though the situation here is so annoying that actually we're in such a better place that even if you compare it to the US because when I was talking in the US and it was my first time to travel around you know the gap between Manhattan and Rochester it's, you know, it's unbelievable. You know, San Francisco is a bubble. Tel Aviv is not a bubble if you compare it to San Francisco. San Francisco, you can knock on the edge of the bubble. That's, that's crazy if you go out 10 minutes out of San Francisco. It's a different kind of reality. And especially if you're talking about LGBT rights. Students in campuses outside of those three cities, LA, San Francisco, New York, have a different kind of story to tell about what they feel about being LGBT. In, in high schools, in, 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 in campuses, in universities, and we're talking about the United States that was for so many years the, the leading country in the world regarding you know, appearance and, and uh, acceptance of LGBT. And in Israel, it's not like that. You have you know gay people out of the closet in almost every campus in Israel. That's the, we have 
campuses of gay, you know, university of uh, like the students, the gay uh, students in every university in Israel, and they are loud and they have parades, and we have parades, you know, you have to remember Israel is in the states of of New York, and we have parades in like in the past three years, it's it's like crazy in small cities like Fosaba, we have parade in Chadera, Pertikva, in Rishon. I mean, something big is going on here. And, and LGBT people are starting to understand that if they are not taking their asses out of the fun of the party of Tel Aviv, things are not going to change. But for so many years, you know, this was gay parade. It wasn't a protest. It was just a party. And it, it happened not only in Israel. It happened in so many places in the world that gay parades stopped being a political statement. It started to be just a huge party. And of course, those small pills and the help of the all kind of drugs that are helping a lot. And the LGBT community, unfortunately, is hugging those hugs, those drugs. And it gets directed to the community. And we have it in, in, in much more high percentage than they are in, this, in the normal uh, population. So the community is very strong. It's a very strong idea of community. You can compare it. I compare it a lot of time when I do talks like this to Jewish communities in the diaspora. I mean, we are, you know, we are mixed in society. We do all kinds of jobs. We work in all kinds of places. We have families all around. But every Friday, we go to the synagogue and we pray together. And it connects the community that is very strong. And we do the same. Every Friday, we go to the party. We pray to the same DJ, you know. It even looks the same, you know, dancing and praying. It's not so far. And it creates a very strong community that passes messages and talking with each other. And, and this community is good when it's passing on positive messages. But it's very bad when it's passing negative messages like being spoiled, like we don't want to live, you know, this is a party. When I was the chairperson of the Aguda, I wanted to change that, the, uh, the reality that the main parade of Israel will be Jerusalem. And they didn't like it at all. <laughs> really, really. Like for, for many years that I was, you know, in the front of doing things in Israel and the LGBT, this was the time that I was like most hated. Like, what did he say? To move the parade to Jerusalem? He's crazy. I'm not going anywhere. What's wrong with you? To cancel the parade? Who, like, who are you to cancel a parade? This is like the fun of the year. All the tourists come, we have the best sex, we have the best time of our life, and you want to destroy it? This is like, you know, the common, you act about common notion. This is common notion. We want to, it to be fun, we want to enjoy, you know, we're the gay funners, you know. Not only in Israel. No, no, it's everywhere like that. Yeah. But doesn't the community start feeling a threat the moment that laws like these are passed? Like, as this, for example, like, do you think it would really, like, do you think you can use it actually as a threat against the government to say, like, hey, next year we're actually not yeah, doing this Yeah, but it should be forgotten next year. Next year, the, the community... Yeah, but that's the question. Like, I mean, I did get the feeling that the community here is very strong. I was extremely impressed by the amount of people who actually showed up to the rally and, mm -hmm. on Sunday. As you said, like I, I don't think I've been to, to such a big rally out, uh, like for the community outside of Israel. Mm -hmm. But like, do you, do you really think that you could use this as as because?
because we were talking about politics before, like I think one of the things you could actually use is this thing to say, okay, next year things are going to be different. Like the, the state is not going to profit from us the way they've been doing the last three, uh, couple of years if they don't yeah. grant us any rights. Yeah, or that's if they true. start taking them away from us. Yeah, but it's it's not very easy where when you don't have um, a formal leadership. Okay. Who's yeah. the leader of the community? Like, Who can decide what you just said? Mm. Or what about putting pressure on the tourism? Because this is mainly what is happening. The fact that you threatened about cancelling the parade was actually, oh shit, we will lose a lot of money because tourists will not come. Yeah. If you advertise all over the world, gays, if you really want to help Israel, don't come anymore. But it doesn't, it will not have, I mean, with the pingwash, this is all over the world for years, and like people come, like I mean, it's, it's still the same thing. So what, what will be the result if they do that? I mean, they and have the same situation now. Exactly, and I think also like, what what's the results of, of harming Israel? You know, this is a very national country. You have to understand, like, being national in Israel, this is the mainstream. I don't think that the gay community should be unnational, you know, doing something that is so clearly against the interests of Israel. And also, this is not my opinion. Like, I don't want like them not to come. It won't help us. I want them to come. But when they are here, I want to tell them something. I want to share an idea. I want to make them partners. I want to say, listen, we are international movement. We can do things together around the world. Because if we need help now in Israel, you can help us. Because you work in IBM, and you work in Apple, and you work in the official government of France, do something to help us. And when you need help, we can do the same. At the same time, um, relate perfectly to what you said, you're in, in the process of creating a party, which means first you have something you have to offer to have people to come around you. And that's not just a question of identity. And the second thing is definitely the party, especially in Israel, is about negotiation, mm -hmm. leverage, mm -hmm. power, coalition. Mm -hmm. So I maybe tourism is not the right um, vector for that, but you have to get prepared to being able to negotiate even against your country in order to be able to, to yield results. Like the, the example you took of saying we are going to cancel the parade because of that was just an example of what you said. Yes. So how are you or how mature are you toward that? Are you, do you think you are going to be able to propose a platform? is going to be able to gather people around which project of society? Because the, like, my idea is not to arm Israel. It's like sometimes in order to go, to, to get your goal, you need to go in another di direction because this is the only pressure way that you have. And yeah, that's, that's true. The, the result will be that at the end, after many years, you might get to a place where finally it will be in the law that Israel, that gay couple can marry, but maybe during 20 years there will not be any tourists that come to Israel. And, and the pressure is, it, we can speak about this, it's kind of a boycott. If you can organize a boycott from the gay community all over the world not to come to this country, then it will change in like 
I guess if you go on with your idea of creating a party and everything, because Israel is very specific, you didn't say that, but Israel is very specific in the fact that the political system is a completely proportional system, which is not very often the case in the Western world in France. We have a majority system, mm -hmm. which prevents all this coalition stuff, and which would have prevented BB to be under power for 13 years. Mm -hmm. So uh, if you manage to transform this energy and all this uh, aspiration and wishes of people into some sort of force being able to move the society, then you, you have a, a stehot in front of you. Uh, not just a, I don't know. But then how do you do it? How do you manage to gather people from Jerusalem, from Tel Aviv, the, the religious and the Navi? I have another question for you. How do the religious people, because I understand that they are religious, gay, and lesbian. How do they manage to get together for that? So during the, the gay marriage in France, it was clearly when their big position was from the church. The church was under most of the mental demonstration against the gay wedding. How do the religious uh, play here? And how do they accept within their own community, their own sons and, 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 and daughters? Mm -hmm. It's a, it's very interesting. I think it's just like <laughs> stay here and listen. And uh, I think that uh, one thing it I, I would be very happy to maybe to hear questions also from you know from other people maybe not like so involved because you're like extreme. You're, you're involved. You like you know you know the discussion, and it's very interesting for me to 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 listen. I think that interesting issue to to point out is that we have to make a difference between uh, religious people and the religious system. Because religious people are not our problem. We have to communicate with them. This is the thing that I was dealing so much with my gay identity in the past three, four years. After going to the States, because for me being Jewish doesn't mean anything. You know, I was born here, everyone's Jewish. It doesn't mean anything. Like, Everyone's circumcised and everyone's doing bar mitzvah and it's just like a party. It's not a, a religious event. And, and when I went to the States for like, you know, a month, you know, I had a feeling that I'm, I'm, I'm collecting something, I'm understanding something about what it means to be Jewish when you're not in a Jewish state. Mm -hmm. And that if you want to remain Jewish, you have to deal with your Jewish identity, otherwise it will disappear because it doesn't exist anywhere. So you have to work out, you have to go to Israel, you have to learn Hebrew, you have to go to the shul, you have to do something. And then I also started asking myself, what about me? What about my, my Jewish ad identity? And I started you know, dealing with it and I went to, you know, to, to started, I started learning the Torah, suddenly, you know, and I started going to talk with, with rabbis to understand, it. I believe in God. I, it's, it's this God that I read about is not a God that wanted to kill me. I know it, for sure. No one will ever say something that will convince me that this is the same God that loves life and celebrates life and do all those magical things, wants to kill me because I want to have sex with a man. No way. So what, what's the story? And then I realized that actually so many rabbis throughout history, made so many um, parshanuyot, interpretations. 
interpretations for so many sentences in the in the Torah, but they didn't try to to understand the sentence of of you know same sex uh, uh, issue. Like there's only in in all the Torah, yeah, only two times that it's written. It's not like something that is so obsessed like the Shabbat. You know, the Shabbat keeping the Shabbat is something that you have thousand times. But not having sex with men, it's only two times. What's the story? You know, and what, what are you, don't you try to understand? What did God try to say? Why did he say it? It's not just black and white. So I started asking this question, why? And I have some answers. I have answers, and it's related to what we just talked about. Because there are some problems in being gay. I don't have any problem to say it. If you're staying single all your life, you feel alone. If you don't have children, and no one can take care of you to go to the temple three times a year, and no one will take your name, and no one can take care of your property, and you don't have any boys to go to the army to fight against the tribes that are, you know, here, so you're in a problem. Not only you are in a problem of being, you know, alone, feeling solitude, also your family is in problem. But that's not a gay-specific problem. That's no, right. That is not. That is not. And the Bible is also against people that are not having children. But the, the Orthodox people nowadays, they're not hunting them as they hunt us. And the question that I want to understand, why do they hunt us? If the thing is children, I have a breaking news to you. Israel is first in the world in having children for gay families. First in the world. Tel Aviv municipality is talking about 25% of children in kindergartens in Tel Aviv that are children of gay families. 25%. Every fourth kid is a child of a gay family. We are having children. So if that's the problem, like, get over it. They are not just following you guys. I think this is the part that bothers me because I'm sorry. Yeah. It's like I went to a, like a, like a, yeah, like a thing like this about like women and uh, feminism, like Israeli women. And it's like, I, I feel like in every sense it's like, it's entitled. It's like, yeah, we're Jewish and this thing. And it's not just you guys. It's like, with you, us gay community, with the refugees, with us that we are not Jewish in this country. We don't have the same rights. We cannot work in the same way. We don't have the same health. Uh, we basically don't says if we break up with our partner, we have a week to leave the country. So it's not just that community. It's basically everyone that is n not Jewish, like simply. Thank you so much for saying it, really. I think this is the one of the most important sentences that was said here because we're dealing so much with comparing the situation of LGBT people in Israel to the situation of LGBT people in other countries. But maybe we should compare the situation of LGBT people to other minorities in Israel. And if you do that, actually, we're doing kind of good. We're doing kind of good. So who are we to cry that we know it's, you know, discriminating? We are discriminated? We? Speak with Arab. They are fucking really discriminated in every kind of way. Legally, mentally, um, uh, jobs, everything. 
and they're 20% of population in Israel. And actually, they were here before us. They were here before. So the problem in Israel, it's not, we are just this spoiled community that is now understanding that maybe it can do something. And the question is whether we're going to take care only to ourselves, as gay people did in history, took care of themselves. Or minorities. As many minorities. No, or as many minorities that tend to take care only of themselves because of survival, you know, psychology situation that you have to take. But we're not in a survival situation anymore. We're so good in Israel that we have the obligation, the obligation, the responsibility to understand that if we want to take what happened on Sunday seriously, it's not just about us. It's also political power for you. Exactly, of course. Yes. But, if, if you but we have to understand it first. If you turn it from LGBT to LGBT. Bye bye. Yeah. I'm sorry if it was too deep. But you really think. Yeah. It sounds like Israel needs a large civil rights movement mm -hmm. yeah. to, to bring all these <laughs> interests. Together, mm -hmm. I had. Have you spoken to organizations like ACRI, uh, and and existing human rights and civil rights uh, uh, legal uh, teams? I think strategize? I, I I think that um, there is a slight problem with the with the center's civil rights. Civil rights is, is, if you ask me, it's American. You understand what it means, civil rights, what it means to be civil. This is not the situation in Israel. We're not talking really about civils, if you ask me. Um, it's, it's something a bit different, because if you ask me, because I think that we want religious people to be part of it. And religious people don't really see civil rights as something that really exists. It's, it's secular. Civil rights is a secular idea. And human rights is a bit more religious, a bit more religious. And, and religious rights, you know, that come from our obligation to God, this is superior in Israel. And it's a bit complicated, but I would like to take the discussion from our relationship with God, from the Torah. I don't want to take it from, from the United States. It comes from here. We have created a contract with God about many things that we are not doing. We are the problem in this contract now. And I want the Israeli people to look to the, to the problem through the eyes of connection with God. Because if, if I won't do it, it won't succeed. If it will be secular, it will, it will fade away because it, it happened before. This is what happened. We, we were in a situation 20 years ago where Israel were going to a different kind of place. Civil rights and human rights and, you know, we were kind of left for many years. But it's gone. It's gone because left is, is not in a connection with God. Left, we left ideas in Israel became too, too separated from connection to spirituality. 
to ideas that are not from here, uh, that are from here. I have to say that I, I don't agree with you. I think that, that uh, to separate, uh, like to be in a secular country allows people to think what the hell they want and, and to respect the fact Money. That <laughs> no. This is what they want in a secular countries, money. This is the God. Well. You have to be like honest about it. In many countries that went very far from, from like spiritual ideas. I'm really sorry, but this argument is, I, I, think that I can trash it in two seconds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can go over it, like this is not true. Because this is a religious, like this is not a secular country. And mm-hmm. people here make a lot of money. In here in Israel. Yes. And it's not a religious country. No, it's, it's a religious country. It's, yeah. it's not a secular country. Yeah, but where is the money? <laughs> what? Where is the money? In Tel Aviv. Not only. The big money in Israel? The businesses? Of course. Of course. Of course. High tech startups, they're here. They're not in Be'er Sheva. <laughs> no, really. Like, this is the situation. We talked about the tribes, Israel and Judah. Of course, Tel Aviv is the capital of Israel. Of course, you know, but, I'm, but I'm Israel. To, what I'm trying to say is, like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't understand the argument of saying like what a secular country wants is money. That's why. No, of course, I'm just you know a bit you know provoking, yeah. of course, and it's not black and white, and it's not this or that. Of course, the truth is somewhere in the middle. But we have to understand that, like, if you ask me, if we want it to work, we want the civil movement, the civil right movement to work. It has to be connection, connected to emotional ideas that are, in, for Israelis, are connected also to, to religious. Are you going to be able to it can't be like religious is the, it's the enemy. It won't work. Can you, can you connect religion with, uh, with, with being gay? Is it going to work politically? Of course. In Israel, we have four different organizations that are dealing with being gay and orthodox in the same diet. Four organizations. Four. We have, in Israel, Orthodox reform and conservative rabbis that are marrying gay couples in Israel. Of course we are. What? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it's not easy, but they're doing it. They're doing it. Almost arrested. Almost arrested. But, but he became famous, so I think he's... he's he will be very busy. He will get a lot of, uh, you know, marriage. I'm sure. I don't know. I'm, I'm asking the same question. I want to do it. I want to understand how you connect it to political power. This is exactly what I want to understand. And I think it's, it's, it's possible. You just have to, write, to find the right people to write the, to, the ideas, the agenda. Yeah. Okay, we have last question. Can we talk about the pink wash before we finish? Or can pink you wash. Like, talk a bit a bad pink wash? Maybe you can explain from like, your perspective on it or what it is, because I think a lot of people haven't heard that term before. Uh, pink wash is the idea where like Israel is uh, promoting itself as a liberal country through the situation of LGBT rights that is very progressive. And it covers, the, 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 like the word wash is to cover other things that Israel is doing that are just like the opposite, like Palestinian rights. So if you like take a situation where the prime minister in Israel is talking about how Israel is 
liberal for LGBT rights, where actually in the same time it oppresses other minority as the Palestinian. Um, where of course some of it is true, as as you as I told you, you know, when I read about the campaign of the tourism office, I saw it as pinkwash. That's the reason I wanted to stop it. I said, this is pinkwash. You're using the money to promote Israel as a gay liberal country while you're not giving even the money to the gay community. So this is absurd. Uh, and some of it, it's not pinkwashing because some of it is the truth. Some of it, some of those campaigns, those articles are true because Israel is in a very progressive situation regarding LGBT acceptance. Can I ask so, where was that first used term? In Washington. Yeah. Yeah. In the United States, from the US, yeah. But what happened in the gay parade that people started to fight between each other, like there were people from like gay people that they seen from the parade and then people that they were protesting and I, like really I saw like women hitting like to each other, gay men between like I what I didn't understand is like if gay community yeah. know this, like why it didn't also protect them or why they don't have that space to like protest in the parade too. Because it was super aggressive, like it was blood and everything like and l this year last year was also like I don't understand if it is if gay mm. people already know that this is a part of the conversation why it's not included in the party to work I, I don't get what's going on um, actually I don't know exactly what you're talking about like I don't know the incidents that you refer to so they were like in the line and they got they were like the parade was going and like they stopped with like huge like boards and they stopped the parade, so the parade cannot move. Okay. And like people okay. from the buses, like they were okay. like dancing, and all of, like people got uh, like went down. They start like uh, they begin like yelling, blah blah blah, and then taking people off. The police came, and then the people from the parade that they were dancing, that they are, they represent like the you yeah. know official LGBT, LGBT. They start to really physically fight wow. with the pink wash. Wow. So I, I didn't. I didn't get it. What's the thing like? If they are in the community, if they are not, like, I just didn't understand. There are some uh, like uh, people in Israel. Part of it, it's a movement. Part of it, it's just individual people that doesn't like the idea that the, the gay community, the gay uh, parade in Israel, is so commercial and doesn't deal with the real social problems. And they want to put their signs to say, like, we, we, we can't continue with it with this play that Tel Aviv is so liberal and open, and this gay parade is so big and, and powerful, where things that are happening here in Israel are just the, the opposite. And Tel Aviv, the, 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 the problem is that the, the parade is commercial. It's owned by the Tel Aviv municipality. When I wanted to threat to cancel the parade, I couldn't really do it. It was just a game, because I didn't own the parade. The, the parade is owned by Tel Aviv municipality. Tel Aviv municipality. It's okay. very. It's it's a. By, by the way, it's the only parade in the world. It's being organized by the municipality. It's very dangerous. It's it, like in some ways it's great, you know. Like thank you so much for the municipality for sponsoring it and helping it. But it's very dangerous because this is a political event, and if you don't do, allow us to say something political in this event, so, so what's going on? Like, just like, it, it's stolen. The parade was stolen from us. 
So I think this is also one of the reasons that we have so many other parades in Israel in the past few years, because gay people in Israel doesn't like it anymore. They want to have parades that are political. Um, Thank you so much. Wow, that was so interesting and deep. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me.